Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Hannah Ott and Cam Benz from CBRE. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Cam. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? They hail from uh, wonderful Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, they are a great team. So uh, Hannah is a vice chairman at CBRE, and Cam is first vice president. And I met you through a mutual friend, Paul Keebler and Pepper Pike, and we both do a lot of business with uh, with Pepper Pike. So uh, first of all, would you be so kind as to tell the audience a little bit about you, uh, your family, kids, cats, pets, whatever works? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so um, Hannah Ott, and I'm at CBRE, and I co-lead the multifamily team that's based here in Indianapolis. Uh, we sell properties all throughout the state of Indiana, and um, we have been selling some properties also in Michigan and Ohio. And uh, today we're releasing a property in St. Louis with one of our awesome uh, partners here at CBRE, and we'll be uh, moving into the Louisville market as well. So we've got an awesome team of 11 people. Uh, we sell only multifamily properties. Our average size deal is typically 40 to $50 million, but with um, the breadth of experience on our team, we'll sell a property that's five or $6 million, or we'll do a $250 million portfolio. If it's a mid prop, if it's an apartment community in the Midwest, then uh, it's in our, it's in our wheelhouse. We have a really experienced team. Uh, we've got a lot of folks on our team that we've worked together a really long time. We're fortunate to uh, have a really strong market share in Indianapolis. We sell anywhere from 60 to 70% of what trades in the state, depending on the year. And mm -hmm. um, I, uh, you said family, whatever. I um, married for will be 25 years this summer. I have two boys. Our oldest is a 21 year old. Our youngest is, is 12. And that's a, that's about all for me. Thank you for that wonderful sharing. Appreciate that. And, uh, Cam, uh, would you be? So yeah. Kind? Yeah. I, um, so Cam Benz, I, um, I'm a long-term Indianapolis native, grew up in Indianapolis, went to Indiana university for college and moved right back. So <laughs> been here my whole life. Um, so no kids yet and no pets. So it's, um, a lot of time to broker deals and work on our team. <laughs> Cam spends awesome. all of his time selling apartments, which is awesome. Cam, keep all those things the same. We don't want you to have anything outside of real estate. That's right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great specialty. So I have to say you can be jack of all trades or master of none. And you are the kind of the, the specialist with multifamily Indianapolis, and you kind of dominate the market. I mean, you, you are the biggest probably player in the market which is really great. So people have to go through you in order to be able to get great deals to buy and sell. That's both. Uh, it's a beautiful thing and it's probably also responsibility. So, but let's just jump into, into the market. So Indianapolis, Indiana, it's probably a steady eddy uh, as predictable market as you get. And, and Midwest is just sort of known for be for predictable steady eddy. We've seen some volatility recently in some of the, uh, let's call them Sunbelt markets. So with interest rates haven't gone up uh, so much so fast, 
uh, some price corrections have taken place. If you go to Phoenix, some of Austin, a few other southern cities, it's pretty well known that those markets have seen some correction. How has it been in India? Well, you said steady Eddie, and that is the way to describe Indianapolis. So we have been very steady and very strong for many, many, many years. But I will say over the last five years, Indianapolis has, especially the last three years, made its way onto charts that it never has before. It was for the better part of the last two years, it was leading the nation in rent growth. And, and now we're like in the top five. Um, but in 2022, we saw double digit rent growth, which is the first time certainly in my 20 plus year career. And we have moderated. So our, our rent growth in Indianapolis last year was a little over 5%, which is very, very strong at any time, but especially in a market where we saw rent declines in other, in other areas. So Indianapolis is bolstered by a very diverse economy. We're not beholden to one industry. Um, so we have a very diverse economy, which is very business friendly. Our state has a, I think it's a $6 billion surplus. So we are not um, hungry for hungry for dollars and taxing people in ways to get it. So it's a very, it's very fiscally sound, very business friendly. Um, and from an apartment standpoint, we, there's about 175,000 units approximately in Indianapolis. We're typically only building three to 5% of that, of the base. So it's um, a very modest amount of new supply that comes, which helps with occupancy. What did I leave out, Cam, about Indianapolis or Indiana? Well, what's been awesome over the last year or two is that, like you said, in the Southeast, they're starting to see... Um, rent decline and, you know, more stress at the property level. And it's just not the case here in the Midwest, especially in Indianapolis. So it's been kind of fun over the last couple of years where we've been treated more as a uh, flyover state um, where people were going down to Atlanta and Florida and they were doing very, very well on their sales to where today Indianapolis is actually still seeing rent growth, no rent declines um, and feels a lot safer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate that sharing. I mean, that, that's the sort of my consensus. And, and it's not a long flight from New York. It's a fairly short flight. So yeah. it becomes not a fly flyover state, but more of a investment opportunity. And I, I exactly what, what you said, that the rent growth has been um, steady. And, and I think there's been no rent decline for forever, for know, many, many years. Uh, but are, are you seeing, I'm just curious, I know it's a steady state. Um, what, what transaction volume are you seeing right now? We're dealing with, Obviously, much higher cost of debt, and this is this is the biggest hinder um, on the transactions taking place. The sellers would love to sell, but the buyers can't really afford the current rates. Of course, everyone is sitting, uh, hoping and praying and expecting and projecting that the Fed will lighten up, the ten-year Treasury yield will drop, we'll see better mortgage rates, and hope is not a great strategy. We're still dealing with elevated mm -hmm. rates of. Um, because inflation is not completely under control yet. And the, the worst part is this, I have to say this, that Fed has only one lever to pull. They're, they push the rates up or down, and that's what happens, and it impacts the entire country. And some markets should be a lot more, so just, I just call them, I, I wish the interest rates would be more ex, more expensive, expensive in Phoenix <laughs> and lower in uh, Indianapolis, but it doesn't work like that. Right? You're just experiencing the same, uh, let's call it bad news as everyone else. 
just curious, what are you seeing on the transaction side? What are uh, your sellers are thinking and what are your buyers are thinking? So a typical year in Indianapolis, there's anywhere from nine to 13,000 units that'll trade. So it's a very active apartment um, transit from a transaction standpoint. And that's largely because we have a lot of private owners. We have a lot of syndicators, funds that own in Indianapolis, and they'll trade every, you know, three, five, seven years. In the heyday, so in 2021, about 16,000 units traded, and actually the highest year is 2022. So even though interest rates went up, you know, spring, summer of that year, there was still a lot of volume going into that year. Last year in Indy, only about just under 8,000 units traded. So about half of the year to, you know, the average of the couple of years before, but still a, a reasonable amount of, of um, properties did trade hands. So our volume was, was down to about half of what it was. Now that, when you compare it to what happened in the rest of the country, that's still good, that's still good volume. Um, looking at our pipeline for this year, our team will sell, you know, on average 40 to six, you know, 40 to 55 deals a year. We're right on track to be in that like 50-ish range. Now it's January, so I'm making a lot of projections, but we're, we've got 10 to 12 properties we're bringing to market in January and February. And so we feel like, we are going to see more transactions this year than the year before, more in line with what would be a normal year, which would be, you know, 10, 12,000 units trading, trading in the. So from a volume perspective, you hope things will normalize this year versus last year feels pretty slow. Uh, but what's happening with prices are and folks that are bringing product to the market, are they forced to list at a discount to well, I mean, it's all relative, right? From the peak, right? I mean, is there a price from the peak discount today? Um, southern markets have a much, much bigger discount. Obviously, uh, there's a big difference between a smaller property and a larger institutional quality property. Of course, supply demand for, for that is very different. So I'm just curious, as much as you can generalize, um, the product you're about to bring to the market, the, the stuff that's in the pipeline. Uh, how is it trading relative to the peak pricing? It is a discount to where we were at the peak. And a lot of that has to do with, with interest rates. So that might surprise you that in 2020, so just this last year in 2023, our trailing cap rate for beer better product was still below 5%. Now, barely, it was 4.9%. That probably is going to look more like about 5% this year. And the reason that for the negative leverage to that level is people believe in rent growth in our, in our market. So yes, prices today are lower than when they were at the, at the tippy top of the market. But a lot of that had to do with interest rates and then elevated competition. We did a study for somebody recently that had owned the property for about three years. They bought the property like in 2020 and what the 2023 end of 2023 value was, the value kind of looked like this, meaning, yes, it let's say it was worth 50 million here. They bought it for 40. Let's say it was worth 50 million at the peak. It's still worth, you know, 45, 46 million dollars today. So it's still worth more than they paid for it a couple of years ago, but it's not as much as the peak. Um, we probably saw prices come in, what, Cameron, like somewhere between 5 and 10% depart, depending on the asset class. 
Yeah, that's probably right. And there would only be a very short period of time where if you bought in the peak, you couldn't sell your property for what you bought it for today. In Indianapolis, that's just another thing that, like we were saying in the beginning of this, the highs are just not nearly as high, but also the lows are not nearly as low, where the, the price changes just and swings are just not as dramatic here as they are in the East Coast or Sunbelt. Yeah, I appreciate that view. Uh, 5 to 10% is very, uh, let's just call it light. It's not nothing bad. With uh, the cost of money going up so much, uh, only 5 to 10% adjustment, it's almost, you know, I won't call it insignificant. It's certainly the significance to this, but it's not, uh, you know, 20 to 30% in number of other markets where it's already the norm. So, right. so in, and, and the obviously, the negative leverage between the cost of money versus the, the cap rates that they're paying, all of this is just um, based on, like you said, it's the fact that there is good, consistent rent growth. And two, I assume folks are expecting the rates to uh, come down over the next however many months. Yes, and the other thing that are, so the savior of the Midwest has been strong, steady rent growth and expenses that have not exploded like that has in coastal markets where maybe your real estate taxes or your insurance went up. And you, you know, you hear about coastal markets where insurance costs double, triple, quadrupled. We are not immune from inflation, certainly in the Midwest. And so we are seeing expenses, especially your variable expenses, your payroll, um, things just cost more from a repair and maintenance standpoint. But they're growing in moderation, and so are our rents. And your rents are your top line and your biggest number. So you're still having an OI growth even with expense growth. So we, what used to keep people out of our market, steady eddy, not prone to the high highs, are some of the same reasons why there more, even more people are interested in our market is because following COVID and um, interest rate changes. The reminder that Steady Eddie is is not just okay, it's good, has been given to people in several different ways. And so it used to be 10 years ago, you know, we're going to the National Multi-Housing Convention in a couple of weeks. 10 years ago, there were a lot of groups that just like, ah, Indiana, Indianapolis is not a target market for me. There are less and less groups that say that because Indianapolis has really been put on people's radar and it's on the map and it's on the map for people. Yeah, really, what's happened? Say, really, what's happened is, like, in the southeast, to win a deal over the past couple of years, you had to underwrite massive rent growth, and you were just kind of cash flows. Where Indianapolis, you're underwriting, you know, big pop in year one, but then there forward, it's three, four percent. In the southeast, it's you know double that, or maybe even more, and people could get behind it because of the massive population growth. Um, now today, people are moving all across the country to build in those markets that's preventing that big rent growth from happening. Indianapolis, almost all of our product is built by local Indianapolis developers. So everyone's aware of everyone else's projects. There's nothing really that surprises anyone. Our supply that's coming online is more than it is in years past, but not by that much in all honesty. So we're not being hit with rent declines or big concessions or the problems down in the Southeast that are wrecking people's portfolio, uh, underwriting. Um, on top of interest rate increases. And that makes a lot of sense. So uh, as an investor, uh, I certainly want to be in the steady Eddy markets and Indianapolis is one of them. And 
the tax treatment. I think you spoke at the, uh, <laughs> when we were in India, you spoke at the lunch. Uh, your uh, system of tax increases is very moderate. The, the taxes don't go up the way they go up in many other states. Quick reassessment, which is uh, absolutely great. Maybe you can comment a little bit on that. And then the other thing is just curious, how much of uh, insurance cost increases you've seen? Uh, if you go any coastal market, anywhere you are in the natural disaster zone, those those uh, premiums are up uh, you know, dramatically. I don't know how else to put it. In some cases, doubling and tripling if you're in a hurricane zone near the water. Uh, and um, but you still there's some natural uh, does Indianapolis have any kind of natural uh, risks natural disaster risks that, that can cause I don't know hail I'm, I'm trying try to think what well, well, we you know, well, well, you, you, you have tornadoes the, the tornadoes yes. hail and the occasional tornado yeah but not to the level that it you know where like you said where it's like a coastal market where they get hurricanes but you mentioned two things so taxes and insurance. Uh, which feels like death and taxes a little bit, but um, so real estate taxes, we are not a mark to market state, Prop assessed values trend the same, whether your property sold or not. And so they are prohibited from chasing a sale. Um, so all values are supposed to go up or down at this, at the same time. Um, we have seen increases in real estate taxes as the cost uh, approach has gone, has increased. But they, but it has still been modest, and it still has uh, impacted all properties, not not ones that that sold. And I do think that that actually keeps some people out of our market, because some people are just not willing to say, "I'm going to buy a property for a hundred million dollars. It's assessed at forty million dollars, and it's going to grow slow and steady." They want to hit it one time and year, you know, two or three for a big increase, and it just doesn't have It hasn't happened. Doesn't hasn't happened here. Um, and so for those that want to underwrite that way, they aren't. They're 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 bidders, but they're not buyers because they aren't successful. In terms of real estate tax growth, I'm sort of or I'm sorry from insurance growth. I'm, I'm shooting from the hip based on what we see have seen in our recent valuations. We haven't seen tripling. I don't even think we've seen doubling, but we've seen um, tax or insurance go from like three fifty a door to like four fifty a door, maybe even a little bit higher. Um, if there's something at the at the property level, like some sort of claim or crime. It could it can be higher than that. Um, what have you seen, Cam, in your VOVs? Right. So the older properties that have had losses, especially or in lower locations, have seen much larger increases that could be closer to double. New construction um, has not been hit nearly as bad. One because there is no lost history at all, but also because it has a lot of the you know, it's sprinklered or you know, the fire prevention. Um, that you can use to prevent uh, future losses and an insurance carrier is more comfortable with. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing this. So it, it's kind of a, a wave that hit the entire country uh, and, and it, it, insurance companies took advantage of it a little, little, little too much in essence. It's, it's good business to be in an insurance company when you can uh, all in drove push the rates up claiming it's a function of the losses and that, that's what transpired. But hopefully on a forward basis, that that, that will stabilize. Uh, but let's go back on a forward outlook. So it's steady any market. Um, tax increases are they're not done mark to market the moment transaction takes place, which is good. Obviously, insurance everywhere, uh, but not as bad as coastal market. Now, uh, rent growth, again, sounds good. 5% per year. If you can do 5% per year, it, 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 it'll beat the market on, in many 
you know, for many years in a row. I think the norm is what three to two percent or something like this, or maybe four to three or three to four. Uh, Depends on what time period you use. If you use a long time period, it's more like three and a half percent. Use a five year time period because we have a couple years in there of yeah. extra. It looks more like five to seven percent. But I would say our average rent growth here in Indianapolis is probably going to be more like four um, percent. You know what's really interesting, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we're certainly coming out of very unprecedented times. COVID was, you know, Black Swan event. It destabilized a lot of things, including what was steady inflation. Now it's kind of got out of control. It's coming back, hopefully, under control. We all want to see predictable, um, steady prices. But there are some theories that inflation may be sticky. Things may be a little bit at this elevated level for longer periods of time. As a result, the rates may be a little bit at the elevated level. Hopefully not, but it's certainly a, a possibility. So um, do you think, you know, you, if you have a project, if you are basically an owner and you're getting ready to sell, uh, for whatever reason, you executed your strategy, is this time to consider doing something this year or is it is it better to wait another year, wait and see, and just give a little more time? It's kind of one of these things where I know as a broker, you, you, you're you going to tell them, hey, don't be shy, let's, let, let's try the market. But at the same time, at the same time, it's one of these things where um, if you can avoid you know, putting the property on the market at 24, wait until 25, you, you're probably better off because the rates will, will be at a lower point. Maybe the country will sort of be at a better place. I don't know. I'm just curious your, your thoughts on the subject. The answer is it depends. That's right. <laughs> it's um, If you have done your business plan and you're at a place where you can sell the property and all you truly are waiting on is a difference in interest rates, it, it depends on your personal risk tolerance. If you can sell today and make the profit that you projected, it might make sense to sell. If you can sell today and make a profit, but you're chasing down more dollars and that's what's going to keep you up at night, maybe it's worth waiting. Um, but if the question is, the property is not performing well today, should we hold off or um, should we sell now? I would say you probably want to stabilize the property if you want to maximize value. Uh, it just depends on the individual situation, whether if they have to make a decision today and it's refinance or sell, or if they have an option. Someone asked me a question, that question like about a year ago, and when he was maybe with, you know, a year, eight months ago, when it was felt even more uncertain, and they're like, who is buying and selling today? And I was like, the same exact people, and it's the same decision tree as it always has been when you decide to sell. When we tell you we think the property is worth $50 million, um does that price meet your goals so we sold a 90 million dollar property last year for jvm out of chicago and they had they purchased the property about 10 years ago and we sold it for um 90 million dollars this year they bought it for 45 million dollars well 45 to 90 million dollars is a good is a good is a good return over a 10 year time time year time period had we sold that property a couple, maybe a year and a half before, it, it could have easily been worth $100 million. And so they could have said, oh my gosh, it was worth $100 million. We should have sold it then. That's not what they did. They said, I'd like to return some capital to my investors. I'd like to use this capital for other opportunities. It's a phenomenal return. And so it made sense for them to sell. So it's, it's the same decision process of, does this meet my goals or does it not? 
and we don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, and so we preach a couple of things. One, uh, we don't buy listings. So we say, you know, if we think the property is worth a hundred million and they want 120, we say, Hey, well, this is what you need. This is what you need to do to get to 120 million, but let's not just like try it. Let's not take it to market. So Putting a property on the on the market at the right price is very important for all parties involved. Most importantly, our client and the property. It's it's putting a property out at the right price. And the second is to sell in the strain. If your property, as Cameron said, is not doing well and the pricing that we're giving you is not exciting to you, don't sell right now. Work we'll give you, we can help give you guidance on this where rents need to be, this is what needs to happen operationally at the property and provide a path to get to the price that you want to get to. And it's, and it's worth, it's worth trying that it felt like when we gave people BOVs at the end of 2020 and all of 2021, they almost always decided to put it on the market because the price was so compelling. So for a lot of people, we were giving them a BOV just two or three years after they bought the property and it already was at their five to seven year value. So they went ahead and sold. We're giving more BOVs now with less people deciding to sell because the price is not as compelling for them. So there's, it's more of a return to a more normal hold time period uh, as before. Yeah, understood. And, and what you said makes a lot of sense uh, from the point of view that the last few years have been abnormal. It's the, it's the inflation, the price inflation, rent inflation, everything else was kind of out of control and things quickly changed. And now, we're facing this uh, uncertainty. And if you offer them yesterday's prices or last year's prices today, of course, people will sign up for that. Otherwise, they have to wait until the market cycles back. But um, what happens on a buy side? On a buy side, um, what, what, you know, what are your thoughts? If you're looking for a really good deal and on a sell side, you're telling them, well, don't sell if you can fix the problems and bring it to the market in a better position. Um, but the buyers want to get better opportunities. So it's kind of, if you're representing both, you have both sides of the equation, um, how do you get a really good buy? You you, you got to get a de sort of de desperate or, or at least motivated seller. And, and you're not seeing a lot of that. So uh, I'm just curious, what are the thoughts on the buy side? How do you get these great, great deals where you, you, you're very comfortable uh, paying the price because it's a great price based on uh, the current data? We were hoping you would tell us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But on the buy side, it's really the same thing. So one, a big trend that we're seeing on the buy side that was permanent financing right out of the gate. So a couple of years ago, we had a lot of people using bridge funds and debt funds with floating non-fixed rate debt because people did not have fear of rising interest rates because there's been so many years where interest rates had, had gone down. Right now, if, you're, if, we're, if it is anyone is selling a property, and you can go out and get permanent debt, or you can assume an existing debt, or you can you have a bridge loan and you're doing upgrades and the plan works and it hits your return metrics and it satisfies your goals. That's that's a good deal for you. We I've had we've had so many people that have talked to us over the years that are looking for like this killer great deal. They usually end up not buying anything. And it's the people who have been focused on meeting their return metrics, and maybe that's a seven or an eight or a 9% return and a low to mid-teen IRR. Those people have done business. And those are the same people who bought deals in 18, 19, 20, and they became worth so much more 
you know, it's hard to time a market, but if you're always buying and selling deals that maybe look like single and doubles, you'll get some home runs in there because you don't know. When we sold prop, you could have taken any property that we sold from 2012 to 2017, closed your eyes and just picked it and grabbed it. And it would have been a phenomenal deal because rents went up so much. People did not know that when they were buying those deals, but those that were active and always buying um, and selling got rewarded. And so it's easy to look like you're the smartest person in the room when, when everything goes your way. But when those people bought those properties, they probably thought they were like singles and doubles. And so those yeah. are the deals that sometimes do turn into home runs. I, I agree with you 100%. The, the only challenge today for the owners who bought 21, 22, they're seeing some of that price adjustment driven by the rate hikes. and uh, Hold on to the property longer. Well, I guess that's the, that's, that's the words of the wise, right? Hold <laughs> on to the property longer. Make sure you focus on execution. And that's the best advice today. Don't don't sell and get it to the point where it's stabilized and, and, and give it a little more time. And... Yeah, I mean, the rates hopefully will come down, but it's uh, still unknown. And the speed of change, we, we don't know. We just know they're actually Fed announced that they'll do something uh, in the form of easing next year. But how much, how fast, still uh, unknown. And um, yeah, so appreciate uh, you coming in on the podcast and sharing. What's the best way to reach out to you if you're a buyer or a seller of the property or you have questions in general, you're an investor? How would they reach out to... Um, Hannah and uh, Kim. The best way to reach out to us is going to our website on CBRE, or you can reach out to either of us. Our cell phone numbers are online. Uh, our emails are hannah.odd at CBRE or cam.beds at CBRE.com. Um, but we're available um, anyway. We're brokers. We're always available. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It, it's the website is cbre.com. Is there slash something slash indie slash Hannah slash? If you go to cbre.com and look for available properties in the Midwest, you will find us. Gotcha. You, you yeah. guys, you're coming up with number one player, so that's easy. no, no, no. I'm not saying we're coming up as number one player. I'm just saying we've got there. Uh, if you're looking for deals, that like Cameron said, the CBRE website. Uh, it goes to the deal flow and you'll get listings there and you'll get to see the rest of our, uh, the rest of our compadres uh, listings as well. Yeah. And folks definitely got to come out to Indy. Every time I come out to India, I'm more and more impressed. It's uh, it gets cold, but I'm used to cold. I live in New York and uh, cold markets don't scare me, but Indy is a beautiful city and it's a very predictable, easy to understand. Like you said, it's a very business friendly city of all city well many cities in the united states but one of the better business friendly cities so that's right thank you kindly appreciate you and um wishing you a great 2024 we're recording this in early part of 2024 hopefully we'll see some significant improvements in 2024 we all are waiting for after 2023 which has been a as it's called a difficult year 2024 looks like uh you can't get any worse in 23 it feels like who knows right <laughs> we can only go up right that's right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.